It's the next level. This is the fight of our lives. This is gonna work, Steve. I know it is. Because I don't know what I'm gonna do if it doesn't. Panels to Pixels Avengers Endgame Movie Review. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I'm Mark. I'm Steve. Oh, I'm Ben. Sorry. I'm Pake. No, I'm Jason. Wow, we got a lot of people here. (laughs) And this is awesome because we love a lot of people here. (laughs) Usually it's just me and Steve. Exactly. So, so, all right. So, uh, Steve, you want to take us off on this? Yeah. So, usually what we like to do in these movie reviews is the very first thing we do is ask everybody, like it, love it, or other, and just give us a quick idea of, of whether you liked it, liked it, loved it, or if you have some other quick comment to make just about the movie as a whole. Why don't you kick us off, Jason? You're the new guest here, you and Pake. So. I loved it. I was expecting it to be another Infinity War, and it was a lot different than I thought. And I loved how it started off kind of somber and with Hawkeye, and it felt like an indie movie. It was more personal than I thought. Showed a lot of them without their costumes on, just being human beings, and they were funny and sweet, and the acting was great. And uh, then it turned into this huge fucking awesome battle at the end. So what's not to love? I loved it. Yeah. And Pake? Yeah, no, I absolutely loved it. I kind of echo some of what he said. But yeah, the, it felt like a much different movie than I expected it was going to be going in. Because, you you know, even though it does kind of have that somber beginning, like he said, it's it's that it ended up being a lot more, a lot more heart and soul. And like, it was a lot more humor and a lot more just like fun stuff going into that first half of that movie that I didn't expect was going to be there. And so it took me by surprise. And then once the stakes really raised and everything was a lot more important than the action built, it, it paid off a hundred percent. I think it was incredible. And Steve, how did you feel? Oh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I think that the biggest thing I wanted to say that I loved the most about it is it has, it has opened up the entire, when, you know, that tagline about a whole new universe, that's exactly what happened. We, we've opened up the multiverse here, which we haven't had yet uh, in, in Marvel. So I'm, I'm excited for how it's going to be moving forward. And I think this is the first movie in a long time that I've gone back multiple times to the theater to see. Yeah, definitely. Oh, my God. Well, I have to say I love this movie completely. Th- this was a movie that was, what, 10, 11 years in the making, and it and it ended pretty much on a great note as well as a sad note. My geek flag was flying like crazy when I was in the theater seeing this. I was at a drive-in and I had to watch it and it was amazing. I'm glad I was in my own car cuz honestly it was ridiculous. I was just screaming and having fun. <laughs> it was a movie that all the sweaties out there in the world that go to conventions that love this stuff wanted for years so uh i think marvel had basically did what we all wanted 
and we got that whole superhero ending, that whole battle scene, everything, and we'll go into this much more. So, uh, where are we going to go with this? You don't this care stuff? what Ben thinks? I was going to say, <laughs> what am I, chopped liver? I, like, I, was, I was about to interject. I was going to get Ben in there. <laughs> Tell us wait, what you thought, Ben. Wait, we have Ben? <laughs> thanks for thanks for coming to my defense jason i mean seriously what am i like chop liver over here no you know i you know like it love it or other i'm actually going to go with other only because it's the only thing i can think of that's more than that you can use to qualify as better than than loving it <laughs> um i mean it's to me I literally like I love going to movies and then posting like short little blurbs on Facebook and social media. And this was the first movie I walked out of that I literally posted. I said, I'm speechless. This movie is is perfect. It was a nice little bit of everything that it was. It was everything I wanted and more. I mean, there were there were elements of this movie that I thought I wanted or that I wanted that we got. And then there were moments in the movie that I didn't even know I wanted until we got them. And it's, it was fantastic. I mean, it's, it's, it was everything. That's all I can really say. <laughs> that's a, that's a great way to put it because one of the things for me, and I'm going to admit, this is going to be a shock. I have not seen all 22 Marvel movies. In fact, there's a few that I just don't care to. I never saw Iron Man three. I never saw the dark world. What was the other Thor one besides Ragnarok? Uh, Thor. Oh, was it, was it just the three? Yeah. Okay. I guess I, I just, I, Dark World's the only one I haven't seen, but like, there's like, I, I haven't seen Black Panther. I haven't seen, uh, the Dark World. I haven't seen Iron Man three. Um, and I can't remember if there's others. Those are the much. two, those first two are the ones I would say, if you're not going to see any, those would be the ones not to see. Right. <laughs> Black Panther. Well, but even so, I was able to follow the story. I understood what was going on in Asgard. I understood, you know, when, when well, we got, you know, one thing, real quick. I think that's one reason why we had fat, disheveled Thor explain <laughs> a lot of Dark World because they know that that's maybe the one people missed. I love them. I love them. I told a, I told a coworker today uh, that I'm going to get lounge pants in a in a bathrobe and grow my hair long and see if I can uh, if I can cosplay as Thor someday. So, <laughs> I think I think yeah. I've got the gut to pull it Lots off. Lots of dudes are like, oh, yes. <laughs> It's like the dad bot is in. Well, that's like that's like one of one of the popular memes going around right now is how people want like the body of a hero, and then it's the picture of Thor (laughs) as Lebowski. I love it. Which was one of my favorite moments of that movie too. Before you know, not jumping ahead and getting into that, but like I just remember watching the movie the first time because, like you, Steve, I saw it multiple times, um, and I just remember the first time I see I saw it, I leaned over to the person I was with. I was like, "He looks like Lebowski," and <laughs> later on in the movie, we get we we get Tony actually call him Lebowski. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Absolutely love it. I love it too. And and the funny thing is I saw it three times and the the first thing I saw when I first saw him was like, that's Lebowski. That's- <laughs> he acts then- like Lebowski too. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, is he dead? No, he's sleeping. He he just needed to be drinking a white Russian talking about a, a rug and <laughs> yeah. it would have been perfect. <laughs> All right, so since Ben already started us off and like uh, specific moments that we loved about the the movie, uh, what does everybody else have to author? Who wants to uh, start? I'll I'll say because it, it's it may sound weird to call them the moments I love the most, but they, they kind of are moments I love to talk about. 
because I'm a I'm a big old softy. So <laughs> the honestly the the really emotional beats, the stuff that makes me cry in a movie surrounded by a bunch of nerds and I'm unashamed of just like bawling. Those are great moments to reflect on. So I think that like some of the the heavy, and it's like the small moments where I, I don't see it coming. I'm sitting there like, oh, this is nice. And then like it's a, a line or a look or just something small that makes me go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I, I'm in total agreement. I think for me, the first time I cried in the first watch was when Captain America walks up to the window and he's watching Peggy Carter. In, in the office and you just see that he's he's so close to her and he's missed her so much and chris evans pulls that off so well of showing us the emotion without showing us any emotion and that that just got me that was the first thing that really got me in the movie was seeing that longing and it, it makes sense why he does what he did at the end of the movie now i think my i'll, I'll give it like the top three emotional moments which all three of them were and there was a lot of others don't get me wrong they're not the only three that affected me but and they're all kind of near the end of the movie, which makes sense because everything builds. And then finally it's, oh, I think the three that got me a lot was one of the small ones was uh, when, when Peter Parker finally shows back up. And he's, like I said, he's got that kid brain running where he's just, oh, my God, Doctor Strange made this thing happen. Then he said that all of this happened. And we got it. And Tony just basically just like looks, gives him that look, just like shut up and hug me. And there's that like, because Tony's never been known to be this very parental loving figure. He's always kind of cold and harsh. And so just to see him initiate that yeah. through the whole relationship they've had, that one hit me. That was a callback to yeah. when in, was it Spider-Man Homecoming? He reached across <laughs> the cab and Peter Parker thought he was going to give him a hug. <laughs> he was so just he opening hugged. the door, yeah. yeah. Well, well, so not a hug. He really did want to hug. The door for you. <laughs> and the great thing about this movie too without going into too much detail yet so so pick and finish is you know going off of jason's note is this movie calls back to every single movie of the 21 movies before this there are little callbacks to every single movie i mean there even even thor the dark world yeah <laughs> uh, big time. i mean it's like marvel universe cinematic universe is the most expensive tv show ever made kind of mm-hmm. and this was like the season finale or something yeah i love it. but uh I'll say number two on mine uh since steve you mentioned cap and peggy was at the end whenever it kind of flashes back to that quick little flashback of when he lived out his life and you it's, you see the old timey cars the music playing and it starts zooming in towards the house. I didn't have even, before I could even see through the window, I knew it was happening. You don't even see the people. You don't see, but I just, I remember like saying to myself, like, he finally got his dance. Like, it was just <laughs> this like beautiful. And then you see that. And that was great. And then the last one that actually hit me really hard. And it gets just those little moments, but it's at the funeral scene and it's, it's happy sitting with, mm-hmm. with uh, Tony's daughter, Morgan. And it's, it's that, just that little line, the cheeseburgers line. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, are you hungry? Yeah. yeah. I want a cheeseburger. like, your dad loved cheeseburgers too. And then this is the way he says, I'll get you all the cheeseburgers you want. Yeah. Broke me. <laughs> Fabro is so good. And he's, yeah. I, it looks like he's going to be a big part of the Spider-Man movie. Yeah. So I, I love that you brought up those little emotional movies. Cause there was one that you just made me think about um, that I hadn't, I don't think I considered before is, is that moment at the beginning when, Rocket and Nebula are reunited as the last two guardians and he takes her hand and they're just sitting there just holding hands and just, yeah. 
yeah, and that that uh, now that I, I think about it, that's a, a very powerful scene that mm-hmm. you have of these two people who've lost everybody, and uh, so yeah, that, that's good. That's good. That's good. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I guess I'll try. I can chime in with some of those moments too of uh, the emotional. The emotional breakdowns and the the funny thing is too i think i actually got more emotional the second time i saw the film the second and third time i saw the film than i did the first because i think the first time i was on such just an overhype and overload of finally seeing what i've been waiting you know years we knew we were going to get especially after infinity war that i was actually able to sit and take everything in more the second time uh but I know the first time I saw it, you know, Jason, you mentioned it a little earlier, the gut punch, like the punch in the heart, the Russo brothers give you in the first five minutes of that film of Hawkeye losing his family and, you know, leading him to becoming Ronan at the time that he does. Like I got choked up in the first five minutes of the film and just remember feeling my heart sink the first time I saw it and just thinking, oh shit, I'm in for I like I don't even know what the hell I'm in for for these next three hours. I really don't. And then uh, the two other moments I can I can list as my top two. Pake, I'll, I'll share with yours. Seeing Cap sitting on the bench at the end when he didn't return, I knew right then and there he stayed behind with Peggy, and it was such a beautiful ending to his character as well as the film. But the other one, the other scene that really got me, and this got me more so the second time around than the first time, is during that huge battle when everybody comes back and everybody's coming out of the portals, that Avengers, when he says assemble, mm-hmm. oh. I, I teared up because that was something that every comic book fan, Marvel in particular, has been... First off, it's a word we've been dying to hear in 22 films because he has yet to say it. And when it leads into that massive battle, like it's something that as people growing up when we were in high school and middle school, we never would have imagined seeing something like this on screen. And when we finally get it followed by, you know, those words... It, like I, it just brought a tear to my eye. I, I started crying out of, I don't know if it was happiness or excitement, but it, it was something. I think I was the only person in my theater the first time who cheered out loud when he said that. Oh my! I, th- like, I, like I, I expected the, the entire theater to just roar, and I was the only one. And it just, <laughs> it, it, I kind of went, "Oh come on, Okie." Oh no, my, <laughs> my, the, I got the biggest. That was one of the biggest pops from my theater, man, and it was. That in Molnir, but I'll save that for somebody else because that was another amazing moment of that movie. That was one of those ones that one of those moments I mentioned where I didn't realize I wanted it until we got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah, that was cool. One thing that I wanted so that. So staying on that emotional theme, what about anybody else? Any other emotional moments? Yeah, I mean, emotional or otherwise, my. I knew as soon as I saw it and then confirmed it for myself at the end, my favorite moment of the whole movie, which had tons of great moments was, I mean, you, you have Ant-Man sitting there being called an idiot. Just, he's just being a chill dude, but he, it's the shit end of the stick. And then his taco blows away. And then, and then the Hulk comes prancing by and just kind of reaches down and gives him two tacos. And there's this kind of pep perky music playing. And it, I love that so much. I don't know why, but 
it made me smile. <laughs> I was like, ah, and you know, I, I really like the Hulk because I loved that run in Peter David's comic uh, when he was writing the Hulk years ago. It's one of the best runs of any comic ever. And he saw the Hulk as this uh, psychological through a psychological filter where Bruce Banner had been abused as a child. And the Hulk was like a manifestation of his repressed anger that was kind of super power charged because of the gamma bomb and everything. But he went to this uh, superhero psychologist, Doc Sampson, who showed him how to merge all facets of his personality. So he ends up this super well-adjusted big, square jaw smile slick haircut super smart and capable and it was just a really interesting take on the character and peter Dave was such a great writer that he wrote it well and i think it fits really good for mark uh, ruffalo because i got the sense he was frustrated he didn't get to act more in these movies and it really played to what i from what i can tell is his character which is he's just kind of this affable guy this nice guy and so i thought it worked really really well i thought it was super cool yeah, I was really excited that we got like the whole Professor Hulk kind of character <laughs> in this movie. That was just, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are we sure we can- and it, it kind of, it was a nice little bit of a kind of a role reversal between Thor and Hulk because in Thor Ragnarok, Thor's beefy and, and has his act together, and Hulk is Hulk. He's always just <laughs> savage. And now, um, Thor's kind of on a down slope. And I loved also that moment where, um, Hulk said, so, what do you say? Someone helped me out of a, when I was in a bad place. Do you know who it was? And she was like, he goes, was it Natasha? Natasha? <laughs> no, it was you. That was just a great moment. Yeah. too. Yeah. I love that. Those two guys were the ones it was, it was Hulk and rocket, the biggest and the littlest mm-hmm. Avenger who they send to go get Thor. I thought that was an interesting choice. Yeah, totally. It's like, uh, well, I don't want to spoil Game of Thrones, but it reminds me of a Game of Thrones scene we saw recently with a little person and a big person. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I love the fact, and I said this to a coworker after the second time, I cried in different spots the second time. And in in particular, I cried, of course, the first time I cried when, when Black Widow sacrifices herself. But then I found myself just bawling almost in the second watch with Jeremy Renner, his reaction there on the, on the dock after what happened and just the way he played that and the intensity of that actor. And I think, you know, and it's, it's the same thing with game of Thrones, but it's, it's these actors don't get enough credit. I think by their peers and by the world that they're saying and doing absolutely absurd things but they're making us believe it and if that's not acting i don't know what what it is and and so that's the it was that moment when he is just so filled with anguish over her sacrifice that that really got me that second time they did a great job with that scene too because i literally was going back and forth wondering who it was going to be who was going to mm-hmm. sacrifice himself yeah i thought yeah. for sure it was going to be hawkeye but i well, not for sure, but that was my guess. I was mine too. Because they, it was shocked me they killed her. I'm surprised. I know, you know, they're doing a movie. I, it's supposed to be a prequel, but still, it seems like if they want to promote her character for a movie, I was surprised they they killed her off. Yeah, same here. Hey, Mark, you're back. 
<laughs> I never left. <laughs> Why do you think they did that? Uh, I think they're basically setting up for a prequel, which would be the Budapest incident that Hawkeye actually brings Widow in. And if they actually do a time jump again, which I think is a little bit redundant, yeah. they would have Hawkeye go back into that to let her know what is going on. But there are things that are going on within the movie itself that, you know, Cap has to go back hand the soul stone i think it was to the red skull mm -hmm. correct so what is skull gonna say to steve going steve son of oh you <laughs> son of a gun <laughs> and and on top of that it's like what's gonna happen because she's already gone after that so does she get a clean slate does this branch off into a new dimension we don't know mm -hmm. this is gonna be strange i personally think that as much as I hate to see Black Widow and Scarlett Johansson go from the, the universe, I honestly think they shouldn't do anything about it. I think she should be gone. And yeah. Because I think trying to mess with the timeline and bring characters back in, then it takes everything that this movie did and then just convolutes it. I it think. turns into a DC movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. I think, I think, Jason, I think you commented this the other night, is that I think it's a story that we all want to, want to hear and we want to see, but I don't think we'll ever get, is the story of Captain America returning all those stones no. to the timeline. And they may, might do it as, in a comic book form. I bet you. That would be cool. In some form, to show us, or, and I think the, the Russo brothers have even, in, in an interview or in something, some article this week, they, they confirmed that he created a separate timeline when he went back so there's at least three you know timelines new timelines that have been created here we have the the 2012 um loki that has the tesseract you have the 2014 without a thanos and now we have a 1950 something with captain america you know um so i think there's definitely we've, we've created a, a multiverse here that we're going to see and it was if it, it I don't want to spoil the Far From Home trailer, so I won't say anything more about that. But I think the multiverse is definitely happening. Well, here, here's my theory and, and on the whole Cap thing. And I don't really think that creates a whole new timeline at all, at least the way I saw it. Um, before I get into that, though, real quick, Mark, I, yeah. I, I never realized... It never crossed my mind what the hell's it going to be like when Cap takes the Soul Stone back and has to face Red Skull again. <laughs> never even thought about that. I thought about it, and I was like, wait a minute. He's got to bring these back, but he's got to put them back at that same exact point. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen with Gamora? What's going to happen to Black Widow? Oh, no, I'm just, I was just more con with the whole thing of the, the two of them seeing each other again. Yeah, I never even really. <laughs> What's he going to do? Punch him in the face? The yeah. first thing you do, punch him in the face or what? <laughs> yeah, never even thought about that. But uh, as in regards to Cap, my whole take on that was that when he goes back in time to return all the stones and everything, he went back to the 50s to shortly after he left and he crashed. Mm -hmm. So in essence, there really are and always have been two of him in that timeline. Or if you heard me Saturday, there were, at one point there could have been four. Oh, the yeah. 20, the 2012 one, the one who went back to get the, the, the stones, the one who went to return the stones, and the one who was living. Oh, and during that 1950s era, there's also one frozen in ice, by the way. Yeah, so and, and that's the thing. I think he went back to after he crashed, so that yeah. in essence there were always two of him in that timeline. Yeah. And I mean, because you look at the only continuity issue I can see is the whole Agent Carter television show. But if you look at the continuity of the MCU movies themselves, 
you know, you get Peggy mentioning that she's, she found love and cap and Steve saved her husband, Mm -hmm. but you never get mentioned as to who the husband is. She's never overly concerned when she's dying on her bed about how she didn't live a happy life. Because if you think about it with the events of Endgame, she lived a happy life and she lived them with Steve. Right. And there's the, the thing is, though, that where I say created an alternate timeline is is really for two reasons. Is, um, well, one one real reason, and then I have a speculation about the other. But one of the reasons is that means that he lived with all – he was able to hold in – all those events, the fact that, that Hydra had infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, all the world events that have happened that he would have known about at that point, that he just let them play out as they did. Well, because and, I think he's been in hiding. That's, what, that's the only thing we could say we, is, is that he would have to, and you're telling me, but here's the problem with him being in hiding. At some point, he had to come out to have a S.H.I.E.L.D. made. Or somebody made a S.H.I.E.L.D. at some point for him to bring to Sam. You see what I'm saying? So, so no, it I creates, get that. It creates there, there's a little bit of a muddy muddy water there. I don't think we're gonna we're gonna get it. And, and I I shared a speculation with Mark that in the scene and I rewatching it the third time. I, I'm not as sure about this speculation, but this is my speculation. In the scene when they're in 2012 and Loki escapes with the Tesseract, um, Cap and Tony Stark have this conversation where they're gonna go get the Pym particles from Camp whatever. And Tony Stark starts the conversation saying, I have a vague recollection of when they were there. And then like two beats later, he says, oh, and now I know the exact date and I know why, or you know why. And it's just left at that. And my speculation is that old cap contacted Tony Stark at some point and said, Hey, you're going to need to remember this date, April 7th, 1970. And that date is going to be very, very important that Hank Pym and your father were both at the camp at the same time. And that's why Tony Stark remembered it. I just, yeah. By the end of the movies, so. you know, I tried, I didn't let it, the timeline, the whole time travel and everything affect what I thought of the movie. I just, no, no. You know, I, I still love and, the movie. I'm not saying I didn't, but, but. My only my only disappointment in the movie was as much as I am a fan of the trilogy, we found out that the events of Back to the Future were bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> that, <And> line, <laughs> that line made me laugh so hard. That was the best line every time. Terminator, time after time. <laughs> Quantum Leap, hot tub time machine, hot tub time machine. <laughs> Die hard. Die hard. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Wait, no. I love Ant Man. That that is he is he is becoming my favorite character. Paul Rudd is perfect perfect casting for that role. Yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely. I still wish Edgar Wright we would have gotten to see what he would have done yeah. with it though. Yeah. That would be interesting. Well, I think didn't he still contribute to some of the writing, even though he didn't yeah. direct? Yeah. I think yeah, his script was the basis for it, I think. Yeah. Is still Ant Man's probably I don't know if I could still say it's my favorite movie in the MCU, but it's definitely very high up there. The first Ant-Man is one that I could sit down and watch at any given time. I just love the style. But anything like, because it's got that Edgar Wright flavor to it, and I'm an Edgar Wright just addict, so... <laughs> yeah, for for me, it's slowly becoming Ant-Man and the Wasp. I actually think, and I, I liked Ant-Man and the Wasp better than Ant-Man, um, and Ant-Man and the Wasp is kind of up there. Uh, for me, uh, with Captain Marvel as well, and uh, just there's so many good things that were in this movie that that paid off for us that we didn't expect, and I I loved seeing 
this hu- the huge battle scene that we saw there at the end of, of Endgame when we got because you know in Infinity War we kind of had a split battle we had the battle kind of taking place in two different locations and in this one we get the battle that we really should have gotten in Infinity War oh definitely everybody so I really I really like that that fact as well I just remember the person I went to go see uh, Endgame with the first time I just remember telling them I said if we see a scene where it's literally every character on the screen at one time uh, do not be ashamed if I cry. <laughs> uh, do not be embarrassed by that i will probably cry and we yeah. got it and i cried <laughs> uh, you know and you know you mentioned ant-man and wasp and i mentioned earlier about how there are little nods to every single movie that they've done that like the second and third time i went to see it i i looked for them and i ant-man and wasp was the one that took me the longest to find because it's so subtle but there's a scene during the the battle when they're getting ready to uh take the gauntlet towards the, the ugly brown van. And, uh, you know, when, when they're listening to cap, they, you know, uh, wasp gets to say we're on it cap. Mm-hmm. That's the nod to Ant-Man and the wasp. Yeah. Yeah. Where he, he teased him. Yeah. Because she got, she teased him for calling him cap. Well, that's what we call him when you're an Avenger. Mm-hmm. And then she gets to call him cap in this movie. And he just gives her that little side glance. Like, see, mm-hmm. I told you. Okay. <laughs> That's good. I, I, get, I didn't, yeah. didn't catch that. Yeah, that's yeah. good. <coughs> My favorite is Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor Ragnarok. I can't decide. Yeah, they're still up there for me. It's, it's hard. These, these movies are becoming hard for me to decide what's the, the favorite and what's the, you know, there is no least favorite or a least favorite. Yeah, it's, it's hard for me to decide what's the best one. It, it changes from time to time. Well, because then what's yours of directors and styles and everything that they have like there's a there's an MCU movie for every mood and every genre and every like feeling that you got when you want to sit down and watch a movie so it yeah. is hard to pick favorites because there's so many different styles and so many. yeah i um i was one of the people that i was on that quest that for the 6 days before i saw endgame i literally watched all 21 oh, right. of the other movies and which really helped going into endgame because it really played out as the conclusion even more doing it that way but i was trying to gauge which one of those movies is my favorite and it's really tough um i'm with you on ragnarok jason ragnarok is just it's such a tonal change from the first two Thors that worked so well. I love Black Panther. Every time I see it, I love it more and more, but I I'd have to say with the exception of Endgame, because Endgame is probably my favorite now of the entire MCU. I still go back to the original Avengers because there's just so many moments. It was another before like similar to Endgame. Yeah. It was another one of those times where we never thought we would see these characters on screen together and we got them. And now Avengers Endgame is literally the original Avengers taken to like the hundredth degree. So, but I'm, know, a, I'm a fan of Guardians too. That that's just fun. Yeah, it, Avengers um, started in 2012, and then we got Age of Ultron, and then we got Infinity War. Which, well, we got Civil War, but that had Avengers versus Avengers and other heroes. And then we got Infinity War, which was kind of just like a big Marvel Universe movie. And then we got this, which I love that they actually had the discipline to really make it about the original Avengers for, for the first part of it. Yeah. And, and it felt like an ending of sorts with what would happen with what happened to Iron Man and Captain America and everything. And it made me think we really only had three proper 
Avengers movies about this cast of Avengers. And I'm a little sad because, you know, it takes so long to make these movies and they can't do more, but it would have been nice to get one or two more with that cast in there doing their thing, you know? But I think yeah. we're going to get, I think we're going to get a different, it'll be a, it'll be a different set. It'll be kind of like what the comic books have done over yeah. the years. It'll be a, a different roster. set of, yeah, we'll get a new yeah. roster. That'll be Avengers. great. So yeah. I, I think that's what we're, but you know, like to. in the comics, we got years of, Avengers. Well, I, I think the roster was always changing, but we got more stories with each roster. And you always had that core four or five that yeah, were always yeah, yeah. there. So, so right. you're right. I, I can I can see that that point as well. It's okay. I mean, it's no big deal, but it's just something I was I've thinking. Got, I've got kind of a question, maybe a little thought piece here, and if it's a dumb idea, just let me know. We won't do it. But since you mentioned there's like a four or five core Avengers team, and now that we've kind of lost most of that core team from the first Avengers. And if you had to pick four or five of this new roster, this huge roster going in, who's the core new Avengers? Hmm. Batman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I mean, I think Rhodey, what's his, what's they, they always just call him Rhodey. He never actually had, does he have James Rhodes? Yeah. Oh, but I mean, War Machine. War yeah. Machine. Thank you. We yeah. don't hear that used a lot, but I think, no. I think, you know, War Machine would definitely the new be in Captain there. America, Captain yeah. Marvel, Falcon guy. Captain um, Marvel. I, I, I don't Falcon. agree with Captain Marvel. I, I, yeah, don't. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't put Captain Marvel in there. Why not? I I think she's a legitimate badass. I really do, and I love the character and I love the movie. I think she's a little too overpowered for that group. Mm. I mean, you look at that Thor. scene. Well, yeah, she's more powerful than Thor. Yeah, I mean, you look at that scene with all the women coming together, which was an amazing scene. Um, missing She-Hulk. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but yes. I mean, you you look at that scene when all the women are come to coming together to kind of help her get through it, and then she blasts right through them anyway. She <laughs> she never actually really needed them to get to the van, uh, it, but it was a great yeah. empower women empowerment yeah. scene. I, I yeah. think she's a little too she can handle things on her own. Yeah, that's always a challenge in the comics because they have to put characters of hugely, vastly varying power um, capabilities together. I mean, even just having Hawkeye in a comic, right? But uh, so it'd be they might be able to figure it out. But I, but I definitely see your point, though. And she's never really made any kind of point thus far to even be a part of the Avengers. She even whenever you know they, she shows up whenever she's absolutely needed in this movie, but. Most of the movie, she's off doing. She says, "Oh, there's other worlds, there's other like you know planets that need my help more than you guys do. You got it. Bye." Yeah, like, so, that's how they're solving the problem. I think yeah. of her being so powerful is having that uh, out of oh, she's off on other planets. Yeah, well, Spider Man, Spider Man is definitely a core piece of the new Avengers. And I he hope he is. Know. I hope he could be he could. in the comics, and he always so. As long as they continue that and this Sony deal, which I think I don't see it falling apart because I think it's so lucrative for both of them at this point. Yeah. Spider-Man. Well, that just reminded me. I mean, there was a key turning point in the history of the Avengers when Brian Bendis took over and it was called the new Avengers and Spider-Man and Wolverine both came in at that point. Um, And it was great to see the dynamic between those two characters because they're so different. So that could be a cool future thing. I don't think they're going to be ready to do that anytime soon, but maybe within the next, you know, five or six years or something. It's we're on that road. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did anybody else catch any interesting facts within the movie itself that I did? Well, what do you mean by interesting facts? (laughs) Like, 
we already saw the whole Captain Marvel thing, and Rocket goes, so I see you got a haircut. <laughs> and then, obviously, she got a haircut, but when they were all dismissing their holograms, she looks at Rhodey and says, be careful. So I'm feeling that there's something going on, which actually happened in the comic books that they might actually go into. A lot of people are going the opposite route that they're trying to ship her to be more of a gay character. But I have a funny feeling she has a lot of caring for Rhodey. Well, they're both soldiers. Exactly. So I think, You know, they're both military. I think they're going to wind up shipping those two in some way eventually. But uh yeah, I, I think it could happen, but it might have also just been a comic nod and left it in that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, because I think I think we're gonna see Captain Marvel kind of be off on her own for a little while. I don't think we're gonna see I I understand why they brought her into Infinity War or into Endgame was because they wanted to bring everybody together. But I, I think I don't know. I don't think we're gonna see much of her interacting with the rest of the MCU very much going forward. I could be really wrong, but I, well, I just don't see it. No, and and the thing is, bringing her in in game was it was necessary because even even though you know she didn't play the pivotal part that we thought that there was a lot of speculation that that it would be some conglomeration between her and Ant Man or something about that you know to get the stones she still played a huge role in the fact that she was the one that brought Tony Tony and Nebula back she was the one who there's no way they there's no way they win that battle unless she takes out his battle cruiser. Yeah. If she had not taken out his battle cruiser when she did, there's there's no way because that's the that's that's the only way they could have won was with her. So they had to have some way they had to bring her in at least if not for that fact at all. And since they teased it at the end of Captain Marvel, you know when he runs away from her, saying that they'll come back for that weapon someday. Yeah, I think there's potential after Endgame that, and I'd like to see it. I think there's potential after Endgame we could see a Young Avengers. I'm hoping so. That you, We've already seen it with Hawkeye and his daughter. We've seen Hawkeye and his daughter. We've seen Scott Lang and his daughter. Correct. Uh, and it could be led by Iron Man because there's potential already that I know some people say it was just a nod to the original Iron Man, but the clanging metal that we hear at the end of the credits, I don't think it's just a nod to, cra- to the comics at all. I think it's a setup for the next Iron Man. What Morgan or Rhodey? No, I don't think it's either. I don't think it's either of them. I think it. I think it. To the Harley Keener. I think it's Harley Keener. Oh wow! Okay, because why why else was Harley at the funeral? Yeah, and age-wise, that makes sense that he would fit into that uh, to that to that conglomeration. Yeah, of of Hawkeye's daughter. He's tech savvy. He's intelligent enough. He's he's got the tools to do it because Tony left them with him. Tony gave him to him. You can throw Peter Parker in there because he's young enough, but he also has the experience and the the battle, the battle proven kind of thing. But he still has that little kid vibe, like Bake was talking about earlier. Yeah. And we also know in the comic books that Captain Marvel was actually able to pass on her powers. Uh, and we got in the Captain Marvel film. Oh no, no, she'd be a lot older by now. Never mind. You talking about Rambo? Yeah, I was thinking of Rambo. I was thinking that too when I first saw the first mo- uh, the Captain Marvel movie. That was yeah, the first thing I thought when I saw her. Monica and I'm like, was I really eleven watched. then, which would mean she's in her she's in her twenties plus five years later. She's not young. She's not a young Avenger anymore. No, but uh, she could be somebody to lead. True. She's not necessarily like teenage. Well, I don't know. Do we ever really get an exact age on Shuri? 
No. He's got to be in her early 20s, if not teen, late yeah, teens. I don't, I don't read, like, teenage alpha, but she's young. Yeah. And she also stayed the same age because she was gone with the snap. Snap. And there could be a reason why they had to confirm that she was dusted in order for something later. Um, and somebody else you could throw into the Young Avengers too? Groot. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Very cool. He's a teenager. I, I picked up a Guardians of the Galaxy comic just to leaf through it the other day, and Groot was talking, so maybe they felt like, okay, we've played this out and we're going to let him talk. I don't know how that happened, but I wonder if they'll do that in the movies at some point. That'd, That'd be, be interesting. He just starts going on these like Shakespearean. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man, but I'm excited for the possibility of an as Guardians of the Galaxy. For yes. Long. Yes. I so Me hope too. they do that. I don't know what they the better. original script had for Guardians 3, but I so hope they do a rewrite on it and put Thor in there. Yeah. Oh, better same here. And, and I can picture the title card now, man. It's Gar- just like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and Volume 2 had the spray paint underneath. You can just see a spray painted A in front of Guardians or AS in front of Guardians. Yeah. Or AS. For as Guardians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could definitely. Uh, um, one of the other things we like to do when we do these movie reviews is any like quotes. We've already mentioned Avengers Assemble, but if there's any like specific quotes that stood out to you guys that you really, really uh, loved or, or made you laugh or, or thought was really great. Uh, for me, one of the ones that I jotted down in my, my notes was when, uh, when Gamora first meets uh, the, 2014 Gamora meets Quill and uh, Nebula says it was either him or the tree. <laughs> so I, uh, I really liked that. Was there any quotes that stood out to you guys? It is America's ass. <laughs> is that Axe body spray? <laughs> that was a good one too. <laughs> yeah. The uh, cap seeing his own ass and saying it is, hmm, it is America's ass. Yeah. That was one that made me laugh. Uh, the Back to the Future being bullshit was yeah. a lot of fun, too. <laughs> I, I really loved after he does his speech and Rocket looks up and goes, he's really good at that. <laughs> Captain America fighting himself. Having a, I could do this all day. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, what know, if, I know. What about Steve telling the guys in the telling Crossbones and everybody in the elevator, Hail Hydra? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a callback to the comic, the comic of last mm-hmm. year. Yeah. yeah. That that was amazing. I loved that. When I first saw that, everybody else was like, what What was that from? I was like, yeah, it's in a comic. <laughs> but it's also about, about the scene in the elevator in Winter Soldier. Yes. Where he, suddenly they were all hydrated and surrounded me. He had to fight them all. Which changes yeah. time. <laughs> Call back to, you know, Winter Soldier. Yeah, Jason, as you said. Yeah. I know... In our vernacular is I love you 3000 going to become. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I actually just read something online today that uh, Robert Downey Jr. is the one that brought that into the movie. That's something that his, he and his kids actually say to one another. Oh, yes. oh wow. That's cool. Yeah. And the whole cheeseburger thing actually relates yeah. to him and his issues with drugs. And he had a really bad cheeseburger incident, which led him to finally take care of himself with drugs because huh. he had a really bad cheeseburger incident. What was it? Apparently it was a really bad cheeseburger and he was like, I got to get help. <laughs> well, it's not all the drugs. It's the bad. <laughs> That's what doesn't. It, you know, it's, it's, it's funny to me to look back 
and you see a guy who was so down and his career was practically over at one point in his life uh, that Mel Gibson of all people is the one that stepped up and kind of gave him another shot to the point now where, you know, Favreau has come out and said, I didn't see anybody other than Robert Downey Jr. playing this part. And it's been such a total resurgence of his career. And, you know, you've, I've heard from a number of people who have said that he does not phone in that performance ever. If, whether it's just a cameo at the end of a movie or it's a full movie he's leading, he never phones it in. He steps up and he is Tony Stark when he is playing that character. And it's, it's amazing. Great. Yeah. It's perfect for it. Yeah. Well, just like he does with Chaplin. When he was in Chaplin, he couldn't do that when he was drug riddled. So basically yeah. he, he, sh- he showed who and what he can do. So, you know, I, I give him more props than anybody. You know, he overcame so much just becoming Iron Man and just being Tony Stark. And he proved to everybody that you can get over your demons. So, well, we have to thank. Yeah. MC is going to feel very different without him there, but I think he left so much of an imprint that at the same time there's so much of his character and what he bled into everybody else that even though he's gone himself, I think we'll always still feel a little bit of like that, his Tony Stark character. Mm -hmm. And John Favreau gets a lot of credit too because they brought him on for Iron Man and that was sort of an unknown because he hadn't done anything like that before. And, uh, he, I think he's the one who too who wanted Robert Downey Jr. and he had to fight to get him. Oh, yeah. And uh, when I heard that, I thought, oh, this is gonna be awesome because Swingers is one of my favorite movies. You guys seen that? Oh yeah, yeah you gotta watch that. Yeah, and and you know Tony Stark is famously this kind of player, ladies' man type, and I thought Favreau could really knock it out of the park, but he did it even better than I hoped he would. Yeah, and yeah, that really kicked it. off the Marvel. If without Iron Man, none of this would be going on. Oh think. yeah, for sure. Right. That's why. I mean, that's why that at the end, it's so that's so iconic for him. You know, when Thanos says, "I am inevitable," inevitable, and he looks at him and says, "I am Iron Man," and then and then does his snap. You know, that's uh, uh, just amazing. That callback of all bookending the movies, kind of. And you look back to at the beginning of the MCU when Iron Man was announced. Of all the MCU characters you could have made a movie about, Iron Man was the one that was that they picked, and a lot of people were like, "Really? Like you're going to make an yeah, Iron Man movie?" People don't even know who he is. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. and but you look at everything now, ten, eleven years later, and everybody knows who Iron Man is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what other movie could have could have kicked it off? Maybe Captain America: The First Avenger. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe I don't even know if that would have been. So good enough to, to kick it off iron man for sure iron man's more fun and as, oh, for sure. as captain america is i feel like starting a franchise with captain america almost feels cheesy it mm-hmm. almost feels a little too too mm-hmm. comic looking well even avengers yeah the first issue had what thor hulk. uh hulk iron man and wasp wasp giant man and that's it i think and Captain America, I think, came in on number four when they found him in the ice. Oh, wow. Yes. I mean, and Peg, you mentioned, too, about, you know, the, the long-lasting effect that Iron Man is going to have. I know the Russos and a number of other people have said that even though Tony is gone and Endgame is over, you're going to be feeling the repercussions of his death in the future. 
of the MCU. I, I mean, it shines to anybody who hasn't seen the trailer yet. I apologize, but uh, you know, it's it's full on in effect alone just Spider-Man. in the Spider-Man Homecoming trailer. Yeah. And I think even I think even Kevin Feige has said that in his opinion, the true end of Phase Three isn't Endgame; it's Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, it is. Yeah. Far from home. Yeah. Or far from far home. From yeah. Home. Sorry. Far but, from home. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I look at it. I, I looked at when I thought about that, and because a lot of people were saying, "Oh, doesn't Endgame end Phase 3? And I was like, "No, Far from Home is going to end it." And I I think it's almost like, and I it's almost like. Um, this movie didn't have a scene at the end of the credits oh, yeah. because far from home is the end credit scene of in game. That's a good way to look at it. You know, yeah. far from home is the epilogue. It's epilogue. the, here's, here's the end of here's, here's how we're wrapping this, this up. And here's what we're launching into the future. We're having that forward motion that if you saw, I briefly watched Kevin Smith's reaction to the trailer today. And he talked a lot about that forward motion that we want. We don't want to go back. We want to have that forward, forward kind of motion. So their way of answering, like, where does the MCO go from here after Tony's dead? Well, here's Spider-Man. Here's Peter Parker living in his legacy, kicking mm-hmm. ass. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, you know, what is phase four going to be? We'll see. Um, the multiverse. That's what phase four is going to be. Shang-Chi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to see that. I remember looking at a few of those comics in the eighties. I, I, I followed it for a little, little while Shang-Chi and, and they are doing it. So, yeah. Yeah. That's what I've heard that they're, yeah. that they are doing it. So, and especially with, with Disney plus coming out here in the next few months and all the things that they're planning on starting. Um, it just, the, the, yeah, the MCU is going to take off. Not that so, it hasn't already. <laughs> did, did anybody else pick up anything else within the movie that I did? Because, when we don't that. know. Well, <laughs> you have well, to the, tell us, Mark. Well, there was an earthquake on? underneath the water that Okoye mentions, and she tells Captain Marvel, "It's like, well, it's just, oh." She tells, "No, Black Widow, hey, it's just another earthquake under the. Yeah, it's going to take care of itself." The first thought in my mind is Namor, and yeah, that'd be cool. I'm, I'm hoping that with everything that happened with the snap that we get the first mutant in the MCU, which would be Namor. I was actually kind of hoping at some point that a, a mid or end credit scene was going to be a tease to the new properties they just acquired. Uh, because it could have been, uh, we know that they filmed Endgame and, and infinity war at the same time, Yeah, but they could have filmed a quick two minute, you know, mid credit or end credit scene after the deal had already been done since end game and infinity war were filmed before the deal had gone through with the Fox merger. But I, I, I think now after I, it was something I wanted to see before I saw end game, but now having after seen end game, I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. And Here's on the- top of that, uh, with the agent Carter scene with, uh, cap overhearing her and her coworker, they talk about, Agent Braddock out, I, f- I forget what country, but they said there was a lot of lightning and a lot of things going on. So Braddock is pretty much the Black Knight. And are we going to see that? I really want to see that. But see, wouldn't that, that would still be going back, though, because they had that conversation in 1970. Yeah. So, so they could always go back in time and do another movie regarding, and it could actually bring in the invaders which would allow Cap to come in again. 
there's there's a lot of things they can they can do <laughs> moving forward. Um, so it's 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 going to be interesting to see. Maybe Far From Home will introduce us uh, to what the next phase is going to be. That's what I was about to say. I'm thinking I'll make that speculation. Is Ben the the post credit scene you were talking about? Mm-hmm. That might happen in Far From Home. And I hope they, the the lack of a post credit scene in Endgame doesn't signify that they're dropping that. Oh, I hope not. No, that's because it's so signature. Yeah, I think they just didn't do it because this is kind of the end, even though it's, it's like not. The end of the era. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I don't know. Are we are we going to like avoid spoiling any more of like the Far From Home trailer or like kind of what it gave? Or can I give my speculation? Well, um, I think I think well, if you if you're listening to this, you've seen Endgame, so it doesn't really. Yeah. I don't right. really think no, it affects the trailer. I mean, let's let, let's put it this way. If anybody has not seen, if you're listening to this and you have not watched the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer or you don't want to be spoiled by anything in the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer, stop listening. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Three, two, one. Okay. Well, it was, it was just going to be... Peter Parker, talk. Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, but it was a quick, just building off again, what, like Ben said, it was like, I think that like that post-credits of bringing in the mutants and a lot of this new Fox merger... Far From Home is a good place to do that because you see, you know, Mysterio plays a big part in Far From Home and they say the reason that he's there is, you know, oh, he's he's from Earth or whatever. He's like, but not this Earth, a different planet. He says multiverse, you can, you know, and they bring in the multiverse into existence and it's, I think it is because of what happened in Endgame. Mm, yeah, you know that. yeah, that's what, if you, if, if you watch the trailer, one of the things uh, Fury says is that when the T-snap happened, and I think he must be referring to the Tony Stark snap, yeah. uh, that that caused an alternate timeline to be created. And so that's, the events of Endgame so. have opened up the reason why the mutants are now going to be part of the MC. Uh, well, here's the thing though. And I, maybe I need to rewatch the trailer again. Cause I did only watch it the one time and I've been meaning to rewatch it again, but I don't know if I necessarily buy the multiverse being real. And it's, um, and it's only because of the fact of who the character is. They're discussing being yeah. a part of it. I yeah. mean, unless Nick Fury, unless it's just a totally a misdirect. Yes. When I watched the, the, the trailer the second time during the Kevin Smith, because I didn't notice it in the first watch either, but Nick Fury very clearly says that the snap caused alternate Earths to be created. But that could also be something that Electro is leading him to believe. Oh, and be. Electro uh, Mysterio. is com- or Mysterio. Yeah. Because Mysterio is known for, for being, being full of shit. Yes. You could be right, but we do Illusion. know, we can, at least, we can at least say for a fact, we know that at least two new timelines, timelines. were yeah, created. Yeah. But that might be a, a way for them to fool us because we know that. I could see that with Mysterio. I mean, I think it would be cool to have some new possibilities opened up with the multiverse, but it, I totally agree that with Mysterio, you can't ever take anything at face value. Yeah. Right, and I mean, I'm excited to see him. By the way, because I love the way he looks, and I, he's always been a, a cool Spider-Man villain, never represented in the films before, as far as I know. And also, Jake Gyllenhaal is one of my favorite actors, so I hope they do it well with him. I think I think they will, because you're right. His look, he looks fantastic. Like, oh he, yeah, you know, even with or without the globe, he looks great. Uh, you know, and 
it was one of those things because the Sinister Six were always one of my favorite storylines and groups from the Spider-Man comic books. So when, you know, Amazing Spider-Man 2 did Electro with Jamie Foxx, I was like, eh, this is not so good. (laughs) And those movies. (laughs) So then when Mysterio was announced as, you know, the villain of this one, I kind of was like a a little resident and hesitant. But then after seeing him in the first trailer, I was like, Yeah. yeah, he looks great. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for it. But, you know, Steve, you mentioned, too, you know, how, you know, the trailers, you can't always go by what the trailers tell you. You look at the Infinity War trailer alone. There's scenes in that trailer that were never in either movie. Sure. In-game as well. We had we had scenes from the trailer of in-game that we had that were not in the movie. And you look at the first uh, Far From Home trailer. There's a scene that makes it look like it was the first time Fury was ever meeting Spider-Man, and now in this trailer, it's been recut that you know they have indeed already met. Right. Yeah. And the line, and I think the line even changed in it from, from the previous trailer to this to the current one. Because in the first trailer, he says, "Nice to meet you, Spider-Man," and in this one, he's like, "You're a hard person to find." Yeah. Spider-Man. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I think I think you're right. I mean, and so they might not be, but I think. I, I think they're definitely introducing this multiverse, and I think the reason they're doing it is is because of all the the things that it opens up for yeah. them. I'm not buying it yet, but I, I'll I'll wait. I'm open to it. I'm especially after uh, Into the Spider Verse. Mm-hmm. That movie still is one of the best Spider Man movies I've ever seen. Yeah, I I, I'm uh, I'm waiting before I bite completely on the multiverse. Okay, think what I'll give you. I'll give you that. Is knowing that the X Men are coming i think that's what really helps but i think even yeah. feige said that it's going to be a while before you see them yeah definitely because they it, still have to get through dark phoenix before anything yeah well dark phoenix is still a fox well that's uh, what i mean they have to get through yeah. that i wonder i just read that new mutants has been pushed to april 2020 i wonder if they need to get to that one too well macy williams actually mentioned that in her twitter because people were asking her, and oh, she goes, I haven't done any reshoots. It's been so long, and <laughs> nobody's called me. And I see my coworkers, and they haven't done any reshoots. So I don't know. So yeah. A lot it of sounds like it was upset. just, yeah, bad. But, but just, I saw today they released a bunch of uh, new dates for future Star Wars movies and. Uh, also, a few other things, and they said New Mutants was April of 2020, I think. Now, so New Mutants, that's going to be an MCU? I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's, it's another one of the leftover Fox. That, oh, yeah. Okay. That, that's, yeah, see, that's that's going to be the thing. Once they finish up all the leftover Fox, then they have to decide how are they going to introduce those characters into mm-hmm. the MCU. Are they going to use what Fox did, or are they going to completely... You know, I'm guessing it, it restart. Yeah. yeah, that's what I would hope. I would hope they would just completely restart. Give us new, you know, new actors, new portrayals. Well, I thought that was what they had already said. I think Feige had already said they're going to recast. Oh, X-Men. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, by the way, Dark Phoenix is the last about one. X Men. Um, I don't know if you guys are Legion fans, but it's an <sighs> FX TV show. Cannot wait. And- the lead character is actually Charles Xavier's son, and I found out they cast Charles Xavier for the show this season. Really? Wow. So you guys are going to – yeah, is this an official announcement? You guys are going to pick that up, right? <laughs> yeah. You're not going to let that one die. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, American Gods, we were – it came at a bad time this year with 
Walker Stucker London. Plus, I was just not excited about it with all the changes. But Legion, it's, I'm stoked. Cool, cool, good because I'm excited. But uh, to quote Deadpool, Stuart or McAvoy? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a new actor. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I love and, that line from Deadpool. <laughs> that's great. What, another thing too, I wanted to mention while I'm thinking of casting, um, Mark, you were talking about uh, Namor and I think a good actor for Namor would be the guy who played Oberon in game of Thrones. Mm. Pedro Pascal. What do you think? Oh, I think so. I think that would be good. He's also, he's going to be the Mandalorian too, which I'm excited about. I'm, I'm excited for that one. Yeah. Uh, I, which, uh, I can't wait for Disney Plus to come out. Taika Waititi, director of Thor Ragnarok, is directing an episode of The Mandalorian. For nice. Nice. Are we going to get Korg and The Mandalorian together? <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> he also did What We Do in the Shadows, so we can yes. make some funny vampires. Oh, I need to pick that back up. I watched the first few episodes and haven't haven't uh followed it the that that show yeah that show just got renewed too and is nice. uh is oh my god that show is so good do you guys uh when you're doing panels to pixels end up talking about all kinds of other stuff uh, too, a little bit here and there <laughs> we, we 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 try to keep it pretty tight oh, but we, sorry. <laughs> we, we, no, no, no that's fine this is great this is you like, pick the most tangential guest hosts <laughs> this is open forum at this point so yeah. we can talk about whatever you want yeah. well i i find it funny too because we 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 started this whole portion of the conversation with our favorite quotes and I have one written down that I've still yet to say because yes. we just got completely <laughs> off topic of back, back to back to the in-game uh, movie. What's your quote? Uh, one of the the quotes that I loved, especially even more so the second time around, because I heard the response. Because uh, the first time I saw it, you did. There was too many people laughing to to hear the response. Uh, there's a moment after they rescue Tony and they bring him back to Avengers uh, headquarters <laughs> when to- and Rocket starts speaking. Tony says, honestly, at the, the exact second, I thought you were a Build-A-Bear. <laughs> I love that line so much. The response, though, was what made me laugh even harder is because Rocket looks at him and he says, maybe I am. <laughs> <laughs> and you never pick up on it the first time yeah, because there's yeah, too much laugh. you're laughing about the Build-A-Bear line. <laughs> maybe I That's am. great. <laughs> or, or about, like, what? Nebula says... Rody, be careful on your reentry. There's an idiot in the landing bay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Poor guy. I liked when uh, Tony, you know, had a rift with um, Captain America, and that scene was really moving. When just Tony Stark was so fucking pissed off about everything that happened and couldn't deal, but then when he finally comes back around, he says, "Turns out resentment is corrosive, and I hate it." <laughs> <laughs> Here, you know, here's a question I'm going to pose to everybody because I, I can see it in both ways. I, I saw it online one way and then I, I took it another way when I saw it. When we see Cap and, and Natasha go to visit Tony with the idea of time travel to, to fix everything. Uh, after they leave, we get the next scene with him and Morgan and he, he's figured it out. I took that as in he decided to take their plan and see if it'll work. But other people have said online that they think he was already working on that before they even brought it to him. And that's why he was so quick to discover it working was because he was already working on it. I don't know if anybody else saw it that way. I mean, the only way that could be the only way that could be would be if they had already contacted him to tell him that Ant-Man had come back through the quantum realm. Because because that's really where he where he goes the why he takes the direction he does because he finds a way to GPS travel through the quantum realm. 
Yeah. Right. So how, what, why would he have any reason to even think this would be my counterpoint to that theory? Why would he have any, even any reason to consider the quantum realm? And and that's why I didn't think I didn't find any legitimacy to that theory online that he was already working on it because the idea didn't even come until Scott came back. Yeah. I've got about a middle ground point on that because I think I I would agree. My personal take is I don't think he was, working on it beforehand. I don't, I think it was one of those things where let me see if these guys even have a good idea at all, but I could see why I still think there might be some validity to it because when Scott brings it up to him, it does kind of, he says, Oh yeah. Like quantum, like he, uh, it's not like this weird foreign idea to him. Like he's like, Oh yeah, of course that's something we could think about. So that's true. It is a possibility that it's something that was in his brain, but But he also, it was. He also delivers the one of the best lines of the movie, I think, very poignant, where he says, where he's talking about, and I can't remember exactly how he says it, but he talks about the fact that we're going to bring everybody back, but I don't want to, I want to get everybody back, but I don't want to lose. Oh, I want to get back what we lost, but I don't want to lose what I've found. So he's very, very pointed about the fact that I, we're not going to go back and change what's happened because I don't want to lose my child, my, my wife and child that I have. Yeah. And, and so he, he might've been, I mean, I guess I could see it's possible that he had started thinking about it before Scott showed up, but I, I'd, I'd still have to say, hey, why would it even occurred to him? You know? And also him saying, uh, and not getting dead in the process. Yeah. And not getting, which didn't, which unfortunately for him didn't work, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I just don't know what the legitimacy to, to that theory is. Like I said, I took it as in it, he, he started working on the idea after they brought it to him. That's, that's the way I, that's yeah. So mm-hmm. all I know is we got another funny moment after that <laughs> was when Tony finally comes back to Avengers headquarters at, to start talking about <laughs> the idea after they had already attempted it. And Tony says to Steve, uh, why the long face? Oh, did he, he turned into a baby. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing that Scott had gone through yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Did he turn into a baby? An old man? Yeah. Let me guess. He turned into a baby. <laughs> <laughs> All this talk makes me want to watch the movie again. <laughs> like, I mean, and that's like, that's. The, that's the great thing about a movie like this is when you talk about it and you want to watch it because you're just reminiscing and enjoying just thinking about everything that you saw that I could probably watch this movie 10 more times in theaters and not be tired of it. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. And I, I think, and that's what I said at the beginning when we started this whole thing was probably my favorite thing. What I love the most about this movie is the fact that it has created so much conversation. For us, it has it has literally created more thoughts and more more things for us to talk about than even Infinity War did. I know the Russo brothers put a uh, the spoiler cap out there that I think expired as of today, Tuesday the seventh. Um, and I know, like, I got into an argument online with a friend of mine earlier today because my another friend posted something that didn't have a spoiler in it but he was just theorizing theorizing something and she started yelling at him saying like hey i haven't seen the movie yet and i had to come to his defense and be like look the russo brother said as of today we're allowed to talk about this you haven't seen <laughs> my, it yet uh, it's on you my you my boss squeeze three hours into the past two weeks my, my I boss i uh, i won't say my boss's name but my new boss um actually just about a year and a half ago he moved back uh, from he was living in California, he was a computer compositor, and he actually worked on 
the original Avengers movie. He's worked on Avatar. He worked on a, a bunch of movies while he lived in California. And he has not seen the movie yet. And he has put a moratorium in the office that, no, no, we can't talk about it. He's told his kids because his kids have seen it. And he's like, no, no, you can't talk about it until I get to see it. So <laughs> we've still been stuck in that non-spoiler mode for two weeks. I so. think that I think you're past that point at this point. It's on him now if he hasn't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, we're, I, we're past the point. We're, yeah. we're way past that point. And the, the movie's already made, what, 1.2? billion globally already saw. yeah has it has it surpassed avatar yet i know it, it surpassed Titanic. i want it to be so bad not yet the last time i saw it, but i love the meme of you know they have on your left cap, cap and sam with the avatar <laughs> yeah. logo on his head on your left <laughs> yeah well this has been really great guys uh i want to say thank you from uh, both mark and i all don't want to speak too much for Mark, but thank you so much uh, for being on uh, this podcast with us, this uh, Avengers Endgame review. And I'm not, we don't have to stop. I just want to make sure we get some things in for you guys. What plugs do you guys have uh, for your own podcast, your own network, and those kind of things? But uh, put those out there while we have a few more minutes left. Uh, I just want to say real quick to, uh, before you get into that, Mark, uh, Endgame has already broken $2 billion worldwide. Oh, it's 2.7 right that's what right. i just read 2.79 yeah, yeah i think it's it's already it's only one of five movies to ever break two billion and it's the fastest movie to ever do it and it passed titanic right now at this point so i, I think the only movie left to beat is, is avatar yes and it needs to yeah <laughs> so i think crazy. i think, it will. think avatar's on the top of the list big enough to where they i think they'll do it they should oh yeah oh, for sure for sure yeah, I'm oh, with you, I Jason. I don't, I don't understand why Avatar is even in that list. I was wrong, though. Avatar is the one that set the record with 2.79 billion, but uh, apparently Endgame has 2.24 right now. Yeah, nice. Yeah. I, I have not seen Avatar. So What it is and, about Avatar, the reason that it is where it's at is because that was the first movie, I guess, that, that – modernize like the 3d movement like that's what that that's what sold it was everybody you know this is the first fully 3d immersive experience in theater and i think that's it really took fire and so because the movie itself is eh, but well they're but, doing four more right yeah, back to back or something but it was yeah, it was the 3d movement the technological away. and cultural movement around it that's what blew that thing up so big i believe do you want to know what the craziest thing about the top five is? Disney owns four of them. Yes. Wow. That's well, they crazy. own everything, so I guess it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Infinity War was number five. Force Awakens was number four. Titanic three, Avengers Endgame two, and Avatars one. Wow. So, and with the fax acquisition, Disney owns it. Hmm. So, yeah, they've uh, they're they're cleaning house, man. The mouse is cleaning house. <laughs> <laughs> and they started the movie too. Well, it was a rat, but regardless, it was still some sort of rodent <laughs> that started this movie to get Ant Man out of the quantum universe. <laughs> oh, that's right, the rat. That's right. So, nice. with that, Ben, uh, where could everybody else hear you? Um, a number of different ways. Uh, obviously, I'll just sum it up with the easiest. Uh, every podcast I'm a part of, as well as every podcast I host is part of the next level podcast network, which is the next level network.com and facebook.com slash the next level network. Everything can be found there. Awesome. 
And that's why he's our boss. That's right. <laughs> no, I've actually been recently told on other podcasts I'm on that I take way too long to shelf to selfless plug. So now I'm just summing it up with a couple sentences. Nice. <laughs> we do appreciate you. Jason, where can we hear you? If you go to podcastica.com, you'll see all my podcasts right now. The big one is House Podcastica. Where we're covering the final season of Game of Thrones. And Pake. Panel extraordinaire. I'm not on any podcasts right now, except for this one. I don't have my own podcast. Um, I'd love to be at some point, but that's we'll talk, Pike. We can ch- yeah. we, we can change we'll, that. We'll talk. Yes, uh, but between no, Jason but, and I. But uh, you can find me on Facebook, chilling and hanging out. In the <laughs> with you. Nice. Yeah. You can find him on YouTube. <laughs> doing Walker Stalker conventions. <laughs> Whenever I can find them, somebody's got to be nice enough to film it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you did a great job on the panels that you've been on, so I'm oh, I'm impressed. Oh, I appreciate Absolutely. It. Thank you. I have fun. Um, I want to before uh, Steve and Mark, you guys wrap up. I just want to interject for one second, and I don't know if it made it onto this week's House Podcastica because I'm not yet finished yet. But if it hasn't, and even if it has. Uh, I just want to extend congratulations to Jason and Kristen because House Podcastica is in the top 20 of TV and film podcasts on iTunes right now. Yeah, Thank you. So that's that's a huge thing. Thanks, man. Yeah, we we heard that. We heard you say that on the podcast too. Nice. And it was really nice. Thanks yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah, and you can hear me right here, of course, on Panels to Pixels, and I send voicemails to a lot of, not a lot, but a few other podcasts on the podcast network and on next level podcast network. So you hear my voice a lot. I think people, I'm so, I don't know why people have not gotten tired of my voice yet. You got a nice voice. Thanks, man. <laughs> hey man, you had your own hashtag for a while on house it's, podcast. It's again. true. And, we and, are Steve. It's, it's, it's still, still out there. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm promoting it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and you can hear me uh, here as well on Panels to Pixels. And you can also hear me on The Walking Dead Talk Through on Golden Spiral Media with Brian Malosh. And we're going to be doing and gearing up for Fear of the Walking Dead. So, Ooh. with that, thank you everybody for listening. I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. I'm Ben. And I'm Jason. Panels for Pixels. Thanks everybody for listening and thank everybody that showed up tonight. Night. Thank you guys. Good night. Thank you guys so much. I, yeah, I really good. appreciate it. I've never been on a podcast before.